Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us! This is... Are these books strong? We somehow got worse at that. <laughs> we got comfortable when we got good. We're taking it easy. I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your booklet with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Woo! Yeah! Yes! <laughs> we did that today. For these past three weeks, we've been reading The Vegetarian by Hong Kang. How are we ladies wrapping up our intense discussion of this darkly absorbing novel already? Huh? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's not quick one. so fast. Well, last week, we spoke about our satisfying, not-so-guilty one-on-one dates with ourselves pre-COVID. In Hia's reaction to her husband's and young Hia's strangely erotic encounter... What we would metamorphosize into and young Kia's desire to become a botanical life. We learned it's not all about the meat. (laughs) (laughs) We had so many questions. Chicas, I am certain there are many more coming. Yes. Emma, before we get too excited, (laughs) what are we sampling, oi? Yes, tell us about the drink. (laughs) Wait, did you just say oi? Oi. oi, like, oi, like, like today. today. Or, Not oi, or like ahoy. what you're thinking of. <laughs> Are you thinking of the way the Brits say oi? Oi. No, I was thinking of hoy from three women. Like, I was like the, like, persecutor. Oh, yeah. I, I just was like, decided I don't to bring understand. Him back. <laughs> <laughs> I need to learn Spanish. I thought you were going to say something about me saying coming. But other than that. Oh, I was my. wondering. You did emphasize that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Let's get a drink, shall we? I think yes, I please. need it. I don't know if you need one. Emma. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies, mm. today we are going back to our roots and drinking oh. a cocktail that at its trunk core is the elixir <laughs> of life. That was a stretch. I admit that was a stretch. Our cocktail for today is called. Water and sunlight. Yes. The two necessary elements Mm. for our botanical lady. Mm. Before I branch off into a tangent about why this drink is so clever, I'll leaf it at that and bring our bartender in here to bark at you instead. (laughs) This is for you, Fred Orlov. I hope you're listening to this episode. (laughs) Here to share the recipe for water and sunlight is our popular... Oh, <laughs> popular <laughs> bartender, Ricardo. <laughs> Ricardo. Ricardo. <laughs> oh, wow. Ciao, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Hola. Hi. How are you? Great. Wonderful. Good. Good. Happy to be at the bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready to drink some water? Yeah, wait, water? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> water and sunlight. Oh, good okay. one. Now that I can drink. Okay. <laughs> so for this cocktail that is very important for plants, you know, water and sunlight. Right, of course. Yeah, don't water your plants with this cocktail. Uh, <laughs> but the recipe for this drink uh, calls for two ounces of bourbon, one ounce and a half of fresh squeezed orange juice, 
an ounce of Lillet, or if you don't have Lillet, you can use white vermouth, mm -hmm. and half of an ounce of uh, honey syrup. We're gonna use a very rich honey syrup. It's gonna be a three to one ratio, so three parts honey and one part water. Mm. Uh, we're gonna put our ingredient in the shaker, shake everything in a calling glass uh, over ice, and we're gonna top with a little bit of water, just because it's water oh, and sunlight. Oh, are we? <laughs> yes. It's, it's, a little, it's a little strong cocktail. The water, it's gonna be like probably a half an ounce of soda water. We're okay. gonna gonna help you like to dilute in uh, the the solution a little bit, and luckily for you, Brandy, you can drink it with a straw. Oh, so. I wish somebody had told me. Oh, <laughs> I don't have a straw right now. You don't have a straw. <laughs> it's but I'll try. I'll try the straw and the soda water with good my for, second one. For good the first answer. One, good I answer. Do it, but, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, it's everything that a plant will need, and uh, hopefully it's going to be perfect for you too, ladies. So water yeah. and sunlight. We'll be blooming. It'll keep, exactly. <laughs> blooming. It'll keep exactly. us blooming. <laughs> Enjoy your cocktail, ladies. A la vostra salute. Gracias, Ricardo. You, Ciao. Bye. Bye. All right, women. Salute. Salute. Oh my, I love this drink. Yummy. She looks like sunlight and tastes nothing like water. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're getting our vitamin C. Good for us. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know what? The color is kind of like warm sunlight. Oh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a stretch. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> it's very beautiful, Brandy. I'm like, you're trying. Yeah. Try. <laughs> Your uh, straw is quite long. Listen. <laughs> Do you have these metal straws with the silicone tip? It's quite a tip. <laughs> <laughs> a pink tip, actually. She does. Yes, she does. I just learned how to drink out of these correctly. Yeah, tell me because I don't know. Okay, so you know these metal straws that come with the silicon tips, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. I used to always take them off because I thought that these were here to protect, like to keep the tip of the straw clean so like nothing oh. gets in it when it's like in your drawer. But apparently they're here to protect your teeth so that you don't from like... what? From the metal straw. It like dislocates them or something. So you know it doesn't like it do? hit against Jam. your tooth and like your teeth. hurt it. Those silicon tips though, they kind of creep me out. Well, this is the first time I'm drinking out of it, and it it is a little weird, but it feels kind of nice on my lips. Oh, oh. well, now <laughs> Ricardo's a lucky, lucky <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm Juicy already drunk tip. and I've had two sips of this. So <laughs> buckle your seatbelts, ladies. I'm all, I'm in for the ride. Let's go. Right, I'm, re I'm, I'm ready to get into this. Yes. So yeah, let's take, us, do it. take it away. This week, we finally get the perspective that I at least have been hankering for <laughs> that of Young Hia's sister, Inhia. Two years into the future, Young Hia now resides in a mental institution, her condition unraveling more with each passing day as she became as she has become convinced that she is transforming into a tree and refuses to eat food altogether, opting instead for sunlight and water. 
In Hia's husband went into hiding after the mental evaluations and police investigations finished with him, and now estranged from her family over the situation with young Hia, In Hia seems to be spending all of her time working, caring for Ji Woo, and visiting her sister at the hospital. Memories, premonitions, and questions of whether she could have changed something torment her, and her despair leads her to at least contemplate suicide. The ambiguous ending leaves us with the two sisters headed to the hospital in an ambulance just at the edge of the forest that young Hia tried to disappear into. Ooh, I'm excited about these chapters. I'm always, I always, I have this struggle every episode now where I'm like, do I start at the end? Because I really want to ask you about the end. But I know. I can can dive in. Yeah, why not? Get it. Why are the trees flaming? I think they just appear to be flaming, right? I th- it seems like there's always like the sun is behind them or like the sunset is behind them. So they just appear to be flaming. Because in this case, though, weren't they flaming like, oh, flaming green, I guess, just because mm-hmm. the color of the mm-hmm. leaves. Okay. I think it's their color. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was wondering if there was something more you know, like metaphorical there, but I couldn't figure out. Did you come up with something? No, that's why I'm asking, like, what What is this? come up with? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Well, the question that I had for you guys about the end was, what is this black bird that she sees? Like, what is this? There's a a moment um, at the very end, Mm. it says, in Hia stares fiercely at the trees as if waiting for an answer, as if protesting against something. The look in her eyes is dark and insistent. What answer is she waiting for? What is she protesting? Like, what the hell is this ending? Could it be that everything that she experienced with her sister, now everything has unraveled and seeing her sister in this place coming close to committing suicide herself, she's finally at or has reached a state of mind where she is no longer going to just endure life, but actually live life. And that's why there's a black Mm. bird instead of a white bird, like her son had said. I saw this white bird. Did yes. I have you become a white bird? Now it's a mm-hmm. blackboard because now it's her her defiance is now coming to light. Like now she's not gonna live oh, in society's conformities. It's not oh, about that's that interesting. anymore. That's cool. I was also thinking about that white bird because that was a question I had about that moment too, when Ji Woo saw his mom as a white bird. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe it was like a reincarnation, because I know that that's super popular in Asian culture, is right. is, the, is very strong belief that that people do reincarnate into mm-hmm. people yes. and animals. Yes. And so I think she was kind she was saved by Ji Woo in that moment because mm-hmm. of the white bird. Mm-hmm. And I think in this in this case, she's realizing that she maybe doesn't need to save her s- sister. She doesn't see a white bird, but she sees a black bird because mm-hmm. she's realizing like maybe now she will give in to what she's been wanting this whole time and realizing that she can't save her give in to what she's been wanting this whole time meaning what to die and become a tree oh 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 you mean young Kia. Kia. sorry sorry okay. yeah no yeah okay mm-hmm. got it the the connection that i made with those white birds is and i wonder if this will spur something for you guys too is at the end of the first chapter young Hia holds that white bird in her hand right. oh, and it's dying right. yeah yeah and so 
Huh. I wondered if in some way that moment with Young Hia holding the dead white bird is symbolic of the same white bird that Ji Woo sees in his dream. Mm. And I wondered if that's the bird in Hia maybe wishes she could be. And it's funny because I feel like you guys both saw the ending as positive. I saw it as really dark. Um, oh, no, I saw it as dark as well. Oh, you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess I, if you look, it depends on how you look at it. Positive for Young Hia because I think maybe she will get Escape. what she, yeah. Yeah. But fiercely dark. <laughs> well, I just kept thinking of the yin and yang, which I know is not, Oh, you know, I know it's not South Korean, but I think even just mm-hmm. the symbolism of like white versus black works. Mm-hmm. And I think the white bird would be symbolic of the positive, the sun, the light, heaven. And the black bird, by that logic, would then have to be the negative, the right. moon, mm-hmm. the dark, mm-hmm. the earth. Mm-hmm. And I think... To me, I that blackbird was just a symbol that Inhia is going to remain bound to the earth. And I feel like her protest against mm. the trees, her waiting for an answer, I think might be indicative of the fact that some part of her believes her sister might turn into a tree when she dies, which may be any moment. Mm-hmm. And I think she's both fighting for her sister's life against the trees' attempts. And I think she's also waiting for a sign or an answer from young Hia that maybe she's already crossed over. Mm. You know what I mean? I feel like she's waiting for some kind of communion from those trees that maybe her sister's already there. But I don't think in is ever going to be able to make that leap and become a tree, too. I think oh, yeah. she's no. going to have to stay stuck yeah. where she is. Mm-hmm. Well, and always questioning, like, if it was her fault that it ever yeah. got to this point because she is the one that called the the mental hospital and had them the emergency services mm-hmm. yeah. right 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 but but i and i mean it seems like there are a lot of things going back even to childhood that she feels she's that at she's fault for yeah. that she maybe could right. have helped there's something that i also was thinking about that it's kind of ironic and this is how i read it that she feels guilty for not being pretty much not being able to save young hia but in a way mm-hmm. in hia in a way, Young Hia saved In Hia from mm. fully committing suicide. Mm. Like the irony uh. of the situation is that she was supposed to be helping out her sister, but through helping out her sister, she made all these realizations, and in return, was able that was able to keep her from actually killing herself. See, but I don't think In Hia wants to be alive. I think In Hia wants the escape. I think she wishes she could do what Young Hia has done. But she's too tethered. She's too to tethered to this it. world, either because of, you know, who she is as a person. We know she's sort of more abiding and like more of a rule follower. But I think also the fact that she has Ji Woo, I think that keeps her tethered here. But I think maybe outside of her will, because she was willing to abandon him, which mm-hmm. really which she shocked would never come- me. But she came back. But she came back to him. She did. Yeah, but because she said she couldn't find a tree. She still tried. She did. She, I think if she had found the tree to hang herself from, she would have. But if you want to kill yourself, you don't need to hang yourself. Right. But she had prepared it to do it that way. If you want to die, you can die. Yeah, I don't know. That that Jiwoo situation, like, upset me. So I didn't sad. see that. Yeah. Especially since he seems to know. He seems to deep down know she's so unhappy. And I think he deep down knows that she doesn't want to be around, which is why he's always trying to make these jokes and, like, make her laugh. <sighs> and I, I feel like he's so desperate for her to be happy and to want to be here. Hmm. That's so sad. 
It's so it's dark really and so it's very sad. Dark. Yeah, this whole book is very dark, which is why I'm drinking water and sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're talking so much about her and one of the things that I was actually very pleased by and satisfied with is that we finally got a woman's perspective because last yeah. week we were talking about yes. Yeah, you were right, Brandy. Gonna, yeah, and even Brandy said hopefully it is in here and that's yeah. what we just got. Um, but we now got started getting a glimpse into her life and her perspective and how mm-hmm. heartbreaking to actually visualize and assimilate the circumstances that she endured, which last week I was judging her and now I feel really guilty of doing so because yeah. now, because we were getting it, we were getting the play by play through her husband's perspective. Right. And that's why we were, we were very so different. Yep. But now seeing it from her point of view, whole different story. Like I had pictured her as a work-driven type A, strong and empowered woman to now see her as a kind-hearted and nurturing daughter, mother, wife, sister who believed in the good Mm -hmm. in others just simply following through with conventions, which none of these descriptions are mutually exclusive, but it does make me applaud Hong Kang who brilliantly shows us everyone carries their own truth and sees life very differently. Yeah. Mm. When in here shares with us she had never lived. And as I mentioned before, even as a child, as far back as she could remember, she had done nothing but endure. That realization uh, broke me. Mm. Yeah. We as human beings sometimes don't realize our truths or our beliefs until we go through something. It could be Mm -hmm. traumatic or not, which in turn makes us go, huh, my question to you both is, what is the latest realization you each had that has made you come to terms with something in your past or propelled you to maybe handle situations differently going forward? This is an amazing question. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, where do I start? Because I feel oh, yeah. like I have so many sure. of these. Yes. And, yeah. and I want to talk about them all, oh. but I can't. <laughs> episode would be five hours Another long. Another podcast episode. Yeah. 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 But I think it is such a great question because I do think it reminds us to not get so stuck in our mm-hmm. mindset and in and what we believe is true, you know? Yes. There is always flexibility. There is always room for growth. Uh, things yeah. you um ah, so oh, I just want to talk about this for so long. <laughs> um, so, I'll break it down into just a couple things that that first came to mind when I thought mm-hmm. about your question just now. Okay. The first one, which has been super hard for me until fairly recently, is asking for help Mm. and reaching out to people for advice or touching base with people that you don't know very well, Mm. whom you feel maybe you would benefit from having a relationship with for whatever reason. Mm. It's scary, but it's not as scary as we build it up to be. Yeah. And it can sometimes end in wonderful and surprising ways. Mm. Taking the risk and the leap of faith is better than playing it safe and never extending yourself, which has been a very new thing for me to learn because I like playing it safe and I don't Mm. like jumping up. My Mm. Meisner teacher from college always said, jump off the cliff, jump off the cliff. And And it's so scary. But every time you jump... You're usually held underneath. Like I've, I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. actually fallen flat on my face, and like I'm yeah. not dead. And 
within that, I also had the realization that the mantra that I have been repeating to myself over and over again for years, which is trust my journey, Mm. finally manifested itself by giving me a sign that things don't always happen the way that you think they will or that they should or you've been told that they will. Totally. And that's shown itself to be true for me this year in several ways, including Mm. the fact that I finally started my yoga teacher training after (laughs) having talked about it for years. But the timing worked out this time, and it's because Mm. I saw someone post like an ad for it on Instagram. Not an ad, but like like a teacher like posted, hey, we're having a teacher training information session. It was a teacher I didn't even know, and Mm. I didn't even practice at the studio but it just found me at the right time. So, mm. And you took a leap. Yep. And I took a leap, and I'm so happy that I did. And it affirmed for me that, yes, I can actually pursue acting and yoga at the same time. Because that was a fear, too, that I can't do both. And I can. How funny. And you can. So... It's a great question, and one day I'll make my own podcast episode about all of the things (laughs) that I think are great about this question, but Brandy, why don't you go? I I love love that that. beautiful answer, and I'm so proud of you for starting your yoga training. I think that's amazing. Yes. Thanks. It's exciting. Um, So I spoke about this in one of our recent episodes because I think we were talking about dreams, Mm. but... I had a dream very recently that triggered a memory that really shook me. Hmm. And thinking about it after I'd woken up, I was shaking. I think I I said to you ladies that I was scared to go to sleep for a couple of days after because I was so afraid of what might bubble up to the surface next. Hmm. And I think the thing that alarmed me the most was the fact that I was shaking. My body literally had a physical, visceral Hmm. reaction to Hmm. this memory that had been locked away forever. And I thought... Those things are stored inside somewhere. That pain and that shaking was being suppressed in my body, and I didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. And I think as much as we'd like to think, or as much as I'd like to think, (sighs) that I can just not think about things and just decide that they're fine and that, you know, I'm just going to get past them without really working through them, those things are still in there wreaking havoc on you in one way or another. Yes, And so I realized that if I ever hope to be a really great actor Mm -hmm. who can truly trust myself and live in the moment on impulse, I have to know myself Mm -hmm. and I have to own who I am, even the ugly shit. Mm -hmm. And I have to be able to shed the need I have to control and protect myself so much. I have to free my body and my Mm -hmm. psyche of the poison that I've literally been holding in it Mm -hmm. because I'm so scared to look at it. Yes. So I've been doing some reading and working through exercises that will hopefully invite some of these things to come to the surface Mm -hmm. and will hopefully start me on a path that doesn't simply put blinders on and endlessly just push forward, but that takes the time to look around and explore and understand that the journey isn't the destination. Mm. It's in the experience Mm. getting there. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, ladies. Good for you. It's scary, but what else can you do? What else can you do? I mean, you could yeah. just shut down and not look at it, but I think and you're taking your the, fear. Yeah, you're taking yeah. the um, the more enlightened path. Yes, <laughs> it's never too late. Right. Oh Good for my you. gosh, this is just the beginning for both of yeah. you. Come on. Well, one of the biggest realizations, and I think it's been a long time coming, and it has evolved, and it, it has kind of manifested itself as of late because of all the work that I've done for so many years after my injuries. Uh I have finally been able to kind of hone in on 
exactly what my injuries meant for me and why mm. they happened, or at least how I saw them happening, the reason behind them. And my injuries were an escape from having to work so damn hard in pursuing mm. a dream that ultimately was being over- overshadowed and overwhelmed by fear of success mm. and disappointment in myself, Aww. not being Ooh. able to live up to my potential. So I recently was a guest on Ashley Monique Menard's podcast, F Your Fears. Oh, <laughs> oh I love that. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's a fabulous podcast. Everybody should check her out. She is freaking amazing. She actually brings on guests um, from all walks of life, artists who have dealt with fears and have kind of overcome them and been able to find their light and their potential. Oh, so, that's great. So we talked a lot about this, and I think that kind of spurred up not only this question, but also like really reanalyzing all of this. Hmm. And after many restarts and downfalls, I have realized that my body was reacting similarly to what Brandy just said. It was a physical reaction to my emotional turmoil. To my fear of never being enough and having Mm. to face that truth. That's really profound. Yeah. The idea that your body could respond that way to your emotional life. Oh, sure. There there were the warning signs. And then that's why I keep on saying it was a blessing in disguise because my body was telling me, you need to realize that there's a lot more going on behind your pursuit of this dream Mm -hmm. than it just being a passion. There's a lot more mm. that you have to kind of deal with before you could get to a place where you're okay physically and emotionally. Wow. <sighs> that left me speechless. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I have to say one thing that I love about the two of you is that I feel like you're two people who are constantly in pursuit of growth, of personal growth, of professional growth. It just seems like You're both people who are constantly looking to become better people, to become, you know, better understood to yourselves. And I I don't know. I just think that's really inspiring. But I would say the same of you. you. (laughs) Right. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. truly. Oh, guys, let's take a sip together. (laughs) Oh, cheers. Cheers to what are on I feel like if we were in person together, we would cheers and drink. (laughs) I know. We would. Not out of that weird ass straw, though. (laughs) Or that tip. (laughs) <laughs> she just spit it back out no. she just spit it back out <laughs> I couldn't swallow it I was laughing so hard you couldn't that really swallow that it that happens sometimes you just can't that's swallow. not like you <laughs> thank you oh, no. oh god that really got me oh no <laughs> I have like really beautiful things I want to say about this episode, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get there because I'm so like because you're so drunk already. Oh, <laughs> pull it together, or love. Well, I had something really beautiful that I wanted to bring up. Yes, mm. I was doing a little bit of research because mm. um, I was wondering. Don't laugh at me. No, oh. I'm laughing because I'm swallowing what I just spit back in my drink. And sorry, that's gross. Yummy. <laughs> Well, I was wondering if trees can communicate with each other. Oh. And I came upon this article in Smithsonian Magazine about a scientist who's written a book called The Hidden Life of Trees. His name is Peter Wallabin. Here's the part that I found fascinating and meaningful for us in talking about this book. Yeah. So it says, 
Trees of the same species are communal and will often form alliances with trees of other species. Forest trees have evolved to live in cooperative, interdependent relationships maintained by communication and a collective intelligence similar to an insect colony. All the trees here and in every forest that is not too damaged are connected to each other through underground fungal networks. Trees share water and nutrients through the networks and also use them to communicate. They send distress signals about drought and disease, for example, or insect attacks, and other trees alter their behavior when they receive these messages. And this part really struck me. Scientists call these, I'm going to completely screw this up, mycorrhizal networks. The fine hair-like root tips of trees join together with microscopic fungal filaments to form the basic links of the network. And that reminded me so much of the fine fuzz in Hia uh-huh. wow. notices on young Hia's uh-huh. body that the doctor says is connected to anorexia. But I could easily see also it being this fungus and talk about another connection to Mexican Gothic. Right. Right. That mushroom network. That's so Um, cool. What I thought was really interesting is, you know, in this chapter, Inhia keeps receiving these flashes that seem like premonitions sometimes almost. And it occurred to me that maybe... Young Hia, you know, they've made a point of saying she's talking less and less, Mm. but has she found a new way to communicate with her sister? Is it through these flashes in the same way that trees communicate with each Mm. other through this underground network? Mm. Has she found a new access point Mm. that her sister really doesn't have access to except through her? That's cool. And what I also really like about that is Young Hia says to her sister at one point, sister, all the trees of the world are like brothers yep. and sisters. I wrote right. that down too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that is like a, a cool way. Also, that makes me feel like it's like um like permission that when she does pass, it's like you can just speak to a tree and like I'll be in uh-huh. it. She'll be there. Oh. You know, like I'm in the trees. Mm. Which is why I wondered at the end when she's waiting mm-hmm. for a response from the trees, I kept thinking like, is she waiting for young Hia to talk to her from those trees? Mm. Is she waiting to see if her sister's gone already? Mm. That's cool. But it's interesting that in Hia doesn't seem to have a great relationship with these trees. She seems, mm-hmm. they seem very sinister to her. They're not friendly like they are for young Hia. Maybe because she's the one that's fighting to want to leave. But for young Hia, it's like innately in her, you know, mm-hmm. it's. This has been decided so long ago, and she really wants it, where maybe Inhia's not really sure she wants it. She hasn't fully done that mental crossover. Yeah. Yeah, towards the the beginning of the chapter, when Inhia was making all these realizations and then questioning what if she could have done something differently, there's a mention of when they're young and they're going up the mountain, and young Hia wants to keep going. Yeah. And then he is like, absolutely not. But then she realizes that, was that a mistake? She wanted to keep going because she was the only one that was a victim to her mm-hmm. father's abuse. Yeah, And yeah. she couldn't protect her from that. Well, and beyond not being able to protect her from it, it seems like in Hia's submissive tendencies, mm-hmm. 
began at that age as a way to protect herself. So in a weird way, it's almost like she, I don't want to say she caused her father to focus his negative attention on her sister, but in a weird way, she was protecting herself Mm -hmm. and not young Hia. Right. Yeah. Yep. Which she was a child and, you know, that's not on her. Which I also remember, B, you had asked us, I think it was in the first episode, where did this all stem from? All of these dreams or these premonitions that young Mm -hmm. Kia was going through. And I I believe now that it stemmed from her childhood, from her being the one facing this abuse. This constant abuse. So it's a long time coming. Well, and even in Hia asks herself that question, she says, when did this all start? And then she says, no, when did this all start to fall apart? Fall apart, yeah. And she traces it back to that. Mm -hmm. This is off topic from this a little bit, but still pertains (laughs) to this, all of this. (laughs) (laughs) I, as I just mentioned, I've been doing my yoga teacher training. And Mm -hmm. so It's been so interesting because I've been learning so much about that, like the history of yoga. And, you know, it all comes from the East Mm. and um, and and how the the philosophy of it and how it's so deeply tied into nature. Mm. And so Mm. as I was in my in my training and learning about all that, I was at the same time, I kept pulling it back to this book. I kept thinking about references to this book. And one of the cool things that I learned is that all of the poses in yoga are named after all of the creatures and natural elements in the world. So that as you're doing the poses, you're honoring every creature of the earth. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that cool? And you train your bodies like true, I say in quotations, true yogis, people that are really living in this Mm -hmm. system are training their bodies to live rhythmically with the cycles of nature in terms of how and when they eat, when they wake and do activity, when they go to sleep, in alignment with the lunar cycles, with with the seasons. It's fascinating. That sounds amazing. And this book has that, that Eastern sensibility about living a healthy life in the way that nature intended. So I think mm-hmm. it's just so interesting, the correlations that I'm finding now between the two. And my teacher said something recently about trees, you know, how um, we were doing tree pose and automatically I was like the vegetarian. (laughs) But, you know, we were talking about like how your feet are like rooting into the ground Mm. and your body is the trunk and then your arms lift like the branches of the tree and Mm. it's going to sway a little bit. Mm. And it reminded me of when Young Hia was doing the handstands and how she was using her hands to root into the ground instead of you know, in yoga we do with our feet. Mm. And that that whole handstand situation, I was so curious about because if she is yeah. as, I think all of those references to all of the nurses and doctors being shocked at where her energy comes from because uh-huh. she's so thin. She's so frail. But she is still able to release, uh, she's able to fight back, to push back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fascinating that she can do a handstand for 30 minutes. So I'm I'm like, what is that? Like, how is that possible in her condition? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I kept wondering because, you know, the doctors, the doctors seem to have very neatly packaged up what her problem is. She's an anorexic Mm. and I guess possibly a schizophrenic as well. So, I, I mean, I kept finding myself wondering which one is it? Did you guys find yourself coming down on one side or the other? Is she somebody with mental health issues? Or 
is she someone who has tapped into another plane of existence where she actually has the capability to become this tree, this other life form? Or is it both? Like, is that a possibility? Like, where did you guys come down on that line? I think this is one of the bigger themes and questions in the book. Who are we to deem something, quote unquote, normal? And who are Mm -hmm. we to place restrictions on anyone for what they believe in? Yeah. In this light, I think young Hia firmly believed that this was happening to her, as I've said. And she wanted it so badly and was so very clear about it. So who would I be to stop her from fulfilling her dream? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, who would I be if I let her kill herself? Right. Mm -hmm. That's that duality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe if they could talk her out of letting herself die and talked her into eating food and regaining herself, she would still maybe be mentally unstable and would be miserable, living a life of not speaking to anyone and wishing for her death. Um, I, I actually quickly thought of the last moment in the movie one flew over the cuckoo's nest Mm -hmm. because that character was so passionate and full of life in the most bizarre way and lived life on his own terms yeah and the doctors didn't know how to deal with that yeah and then they gave him a lobotomy and then for his friend to kill him because he knew he wouldn't he doesn't want to see him live in that state. Yeah. I've I've felt this comparison in that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, I it's a hard, it's a really hard decision. I love that, Emma. Because I originally, from the beginning of reading this book, I was all about the idea of her really starving herself. That this was the way of her being able to finally escape her reality, the way that she was violated and mistreated as a child. Mm-hmm. And trying to escape her fucked up husband and life. And she seemingly just wanted to be understood and heard. Mm -hmm. And being she was being perfectly aware that nobody ever would. She just wanted to, like, detach herself from this place of the, the, like, the societal conformities that I've brought up before. And I think that she's gotten to believe that the only way she can is by escaping her reality to cope. She wants to move on from this hell. Mm -hmm. Those around her have created and it's like it's all her defiance is a way to show that she doesn't that she wants to be in control and doesn't want anybody to control her anymore mm-hmm. though through this she is like rapidly like losing her mind more and her body but she kept telling her sister sister please let me out of out of here i don't mm-hmm. like me yeah. here i don't want to eat and nobody mm-hmm. would get that so to emma's yeah. point that she just brought up It's like nobody would listen to her, even if there was still that ounce of sanity or that ounce of like wanting to be who she wanted to be. Nobody in their right mind, quote unquote, would allow her to do so, even though if this was this was her choice. Right. And then I related that back to being a person who dealt with an eating disorder. You do feel so lost and lonely and in so much pain that your weight or the intake of food is the only thing you can control. Mm, and that's interesting yeah mm. there's a power struggle because everybody's trying to overtake like kind of take over your life and all you want to do is have control but if nobody allows you to have control that's the only way you can still hold on to that little ounce of control that you do have yeah i was thinking about that because who quoted it i think maybe in yeah. Oh, I didn't write down who said it. Someone said, 
It's your body. You can treat it however uh-huh. you please. The only yeah. area where you're free to do just as you like. Yeah, and right. even that doesn't turn out how you wanted. Yeah. And I'm so conflicted about that because I was thinking about, well, what about people with eating disorders? Because it is true. It's your body and you should be able to do what you want. But when you realize that someone's hurting themselves and it could lead them down the path of not going well, Mm -hmm. and maybe they're just not in a space to see that right now, Mm -hmm. how can you not help? Yeah. What what is your what responsibility do you have in, to step in? Yes, that's tough. But at the same time, she doesn't seem crazy. She seems in her right mind when she's right. saying she doesn't want to eat. Mm-hmm. It's just not what we consider the right mind, quote unquote, right mind. And and I think it's a society thing because there's a lot of times where patients are misdiagnosed. Because they see them in a certain mm, light. Yes. And they're like, no, so it's bas- it's this. It's like, why right. don't you investigate a little further from where this stems from? And maybe right. try to understand them a little bit more instead of putting a label right. on them. Well, because not that long ago, you know, if you were gay, that was considered like maybe you were crazy. Right. Or if exactly. you, you know, suffered from dyslexia, you were exactly. stupid. And now, obviously, that's radically different. So, yeah, who knows down the line? Mm-hmm. We try to fit things into these neat little boxes, but they're not. Of course, they're not. But I think we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep finding right. new boxes. And then every box that's <laughs> yes. created, someone's going to find a way to break out of it. Yeah. And smaller. Yeah. 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 And I think the smaller the box, the weirder it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> the more unique. Yeah. The more individual. <laughs> the more individual it will be. Mm. <laughs> I also was thinking... In terms of, as we're talking about how Young Hia was able to, like, fight the doctors as they were trying to carry her away and shove the tube down her throat, it made me think of how frustrating it must be for little kids who are just learning to walk or who are walking but are really young. You know, they want to walk and run everywhere because (laughs) they've learned this new skill that gives them freedom and they're on a roll and all of a sudden – Someone swoops in from nowhere and, like, picks them up and carries them away and puts them in a stroller. And then their freedom is just taken away and they can't move. And that's when they scream and cry. So I felt like that's probably how young Kia must have felt, you know, like a baby that's like, I'm doing it. And then someone else is like, nope. (laughs) Right. I'm wondering because there was a moment where Inhia's husband was talking about Jiwoo. And how he wanted to paint or film him walking, taking those first steps. And instead of flowers coming out from each of those steps, butterflies. Mm. So the connection here is in Hia's husband saw the beauty in that and saw the beauty of his freedom the same way Mm. he saw the beauty in Yahia, which nobody else really even bothered to see. But that moment, too, is also like that was really depressing for me because there is also so much more wrapped up in that moment of the fact that he really wanted to make this video and he had like a whole image for it. But then he never did it. He never did it. Right. And then ever since then, then he shut himself in the studio and never came home. Mm -hmm. So by him not making his art, to bring it back to the last episode, by him not following this image that he was so passionate about, it did a number on him and probably stifled his creative energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, It's probably more complicated than that, but that moment made me sad. I would be reminisced if I didn't mention that there were moments 
that I envisioned while reading this novel that made me think back to the Oscar award-winning feature film, Parasite. Oh, oh, South Korean. Wow. <laughs> yeah, 2019. And it's, it's, it's. But what element? So yeah. these, these, for me now, seeing, reading this book from a South Korean uh, novelist and then having seen the, this fascinating, brilliant I film. I loved it. Yeah. They have such a spectacular way of making the viewer or the reader think of the real problems or struggles in one's life through this these metaphors, through this symbolism created by this beautiful imagery. Because mm. there were a lot of moments that Hong Kang created for me that were so tangible that I could totally visualize and feel. And that was a very visual uh, experience that I had with Parasite. Mm. Um, for example, there was one quote that I wanted to bring up. The pain, and I believe this was Inhia saying this, the pain feels like a hole swallowing her up, a source of intense fear, and yet, at the same time, a strange, quiet peace. And I think that there's there's just such a struggle with that, and I can totally see that and totally feel that. There's something about this culture and the way that they're able to express themselves through this imagery, through the symbolism, through yeah. these metaphors that's so unique. Good artists for sure. Big time. Yes. Yeah, Parasite was beautiful. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. Um, Let's take a drink. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm ready for that. Let's okay. take some water and sunlight. Water mm-hmm. and sunlight. Salud. So that I can segue into my question. (laughs) That was selfish. I'm just going to go right into it. I'm not going to flourish this at all. Okay. Give it to us. I want to know if either of you have any connection to some specific spot in nature, no matter where it is, that makes you feel spiritual when you're there or someplace that's just really special for some reason. Is this a place maybe you could see yourself wanting to be buried or have your ashes spread if you decided to go that route? I know this is now turning into something darker than I thought. Now that I'm asking about how you questions this how you would like your body to be. Don't apologize for your question. I love your question. I think it's fabulous. So I grew up in the West Texas desert and growing up when I would tell people that my family was Mexican, everyone always used to ask where. Mm. So in a panic, like wanting to give the name of a place that I could claim, like wanting to give myself legitimacy, I'd ask my grandma where we were from, you know, hoping for the name of a very Mexican sounding (laughs) town that I could then run back and tell my friends And she'd always say the same thing. She'd say, we're from right here. Mm. Somos de la tierra. We're from Mm. this earth. We're from this plot of land. And our family has been from that land since back when it was Mexico and then possibly even before that. Mm. And man, like I feel that sometimes. Like Mm. I feel the pull to go Mm. back to that part of Texas. I remember being a kid and driving through those West Texas mountains and these like stunning desert landscapes of just wide open road as far as you could see all the way to the mountains. And then at night, the crisp, cloudless blue sky, just full of stars. So for me, out there in the bare stretch of land between Van Horn, Texas and Alpine, Texas, maybe I could be a cactus or a tumbleweed just blowing by. (laughs) That's mine. 
Oh, that makes oh, me want to go visit beautiful. your hometown. I know, it's me so, too. It's not a beautiful town, but the land is beautiful. Oh, that's awesome. Similarly, in a way, yeah, hometown. I, I, the place for me would be the ocean. Mm. <sighs> yeah. I grew up going to the beach almost every weekend. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, New York is very different for me. <laughs> City life is very different. Uh, there's there's nothing like laying on the beach under the sun, smelling the salt water, feeling a slight breeze, mm-hmm. not to mention actually swimming in the ocean. Mm. When I was home, Andrew and I went to the beach that last Sunday we were there and oh. he videotaped all of this and we have this where I just was dancing in the water. There was some, like, playing with the waves. Like, I was seven years old again. There was something about being in there. And it was quite chilly because, I mean, chilly for Florida (laughs) or Miami. Yeah, but it was like December, right? (laughs) But it was windy. Yeah, the water was pretty cold. But it was just, I haven't felt that happy in such a long time. And Andrew even said that it was the happiest he had seen me in, in quite a while he loved every moment, and he said that he was, like, watching me in, in this bliss. And I do feel that when the time comes, like, I would want my ashes to be spread there. Mm. You'll always be able to find me in the ocean. <laughs> I'll go swim in you. Aww. All right, Emma. Emma. Oh, Out yeah. with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was really reflecting on that. <laughs> Well, I I have always said that nature is my Jesus, and I'm Jewish. I don't know why <laughs> I chose Jesus, but it's it's always where I feel spiritual and connected to a higher power. Any honestly, anywhere in nature, I just need to be out outside. Yeah. But there's this tree, or there was this tree at Maymont, which is a big state park in in Richmond, in my hometown. Um. Where I had, I don't even remember what birthday, I think my third birthday party, but we just called it Emma's tree because I fucking loved that tree. It was like a big ass tree where like the branches came all the way to the ground so you could kind of like go inside of it because the branches were all the way on the ground. It was like this big hollow space inside. So that tree was always, I used to go and visit it as my tree. Then they cut it down recently or not even recently, years ago. So, um... But I still feel I still feel a connection to my tree. <laughs> to your tree. And then there's this great hiking trail in Cold Spring, New York called Breakneck Ridge. Have either of you been there? Mm-mm. It's beautiful. It's a hard hike, but it's a great hike and has beautiful views. And every time I'm there, I just get really lost in that space. And so Breakneck Ridge holds a special place for me mm. and then the james river rocks in my hometown as well it's just somewhere we used to like go and like hang out on the rocks at the james river <laughs> um so i think i think when my time comes i would like to be turned into trees mm. but a couple yeah. trees mm. i want to be planted in maymont where mm. my tree was I think I want one in Washington Square Park if they would allow that. (laughs) (laughs) And then one in Piazza Fontanese in Reggio, which was one of my favorite places in Reggio and where I met Ricardo. 
there's no trees really um be a tricky place to put me but i'll find a way (laughs) 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 but i love that turning back into nature you know i think Mm. that's as we're saying and the reincarnation idea Mm. like you said i think Mm. i like that idea yeah i just want to say one more thing do it. To end on an empowering note Great. For, yes. for Inhia, our protagonist, I do want to note, uh, I thought this moment was really powerful because, uh, I mean, through the whole book and then certainly through the last chapter when she's really struggling, she feels locked in this submissive sort of role that she's created for herself and that has been created for her. But in the end, and you know, to the to what you brought up last week, Mariana, about like, why isn't she fighting for her sister? Mm. To her credit, even though I do think she does remain a little bit stuck in this pattern, she does find the strength in that moment at the mental hospital mm. to scream and bite and attack yes. when they're trying to put that feeding tube in her sister, which is totally out of character. Yep. Even she is shocked as hell like an animal yeah. like yes. a wolf yes. or like a mama bear yes. Yes. A mama she describes bear. the mm-hmm. sound coming out of her as animal like right. i think yes. um so I, I did want to end on a note of power for her because i do think she stepped into it in that moment Absolutely. and found yes. it in that moment. love that thanks yes. yeah agreed go women <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i have a final question for you Ooh. If you're Please. ready. Yeah. All right. I mean, yes. <laughs> As Young Hia says that all she needs are water and sunlight to survive. Cheers. Ah. What sh- two th- yeah. <laughs> Oh god. What two things do you both need to survive? Oh my god. Go. Wow. Uh sunlight gonna Definitely follow through with that. And love. Oh. That's a good answer. That's nice. Well, you're going to be a nice me answer. Like a real bitch. <laughs> oh, no. Whatever. Mine is a will and something to work for. Oh. Well, <laughs> Emma's laughing at me so hard. <laughs> Let's hear yours, Emma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yours are both so nice and like deep and real. Tell us if you say Cheez-Its or something. Cheez-Its or Cheez-Its. <laughs> I was gonna say chapstick in my white noise machine. <laughs> <laughs> but like sunlight, life, and a will to survive are also great. <laughs> hey, chapstick is pretty. Important yeah, too. chapstick I can is use life. Some right now. Me too. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for listening. If you have an insight or a question you'd like us to discuss, or you want to ask Emma about her chapstick brand preferences, please do. I love talking about chapstick brands. (laughs) Shoot us an email at arethesebookstrunk at gmail.com. Yes. Huge shout out to Tina Carvajal, who is so psyched to hear us chat about the vegetarian. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in y por eh, seguirnos en Insta. 
como ves, estamos disfrutando este libro demasiado. As you can see, we're enjoying yeah. this book way too much. Yeah. Salud. <laughs> yeah. As previously mentioned, next week we're bringing in a very special guest to share in our discussion to wrap up this book for a bonus episode. Yeah. Our guest artist is Daniel K. Isaac, fellow friend and actor who has graced many a stage and your television set. Yes. Stay tuned on our Instagram at Are These Books Drunk for next week's cocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's always, always happy, happy, happy hour, hour here. here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got to down this last little bit. Nice. Ciao, chicas. Bye. <laughs> Salute, Brandy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>